0: As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation.
1: Clearly, are suffering from Spurs not winning at the weekend again, because you've come off a very long run up here. This is the angry podcast, isn't it? I'm angrier than you are, Steve. I'm sorry, I'm angry than yeah, you because nothing to do with Spurs. <laughs> Crap,
2: though they've been they've been lately.
3: What has happened to them? The wheels have well and truly come off. Oh, you know, John John too John Motson's Mo- joined us now. Like, John Motson's joined need us. To reduce the squad
1: numbers. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Hello everybody from our studios at London Bridge. This is The Ruck. It's the week after the month before now, the end of the Autumn Internationals, which is why all three of our guests in the studio uh, are looking a little bit our age. Um, Owen Slot is with us today, the rugby correspondent of The Times. Sam Peters, Sunday Times, our latest acquisition. And uh, the transfer fee was Lionel Messi-like, I can tell you. (laughs) Or rather, maybe it was just Messi. Finished covering the um, Autumn Internationals. Uh, Mixed blessing in many areas. Mixed standards, some great, some bad. Loads of controversy. Uh, Owen, what did you see that you loved in the Autumn international series? What did you see you didn't like so
1: much? The highlight for me was um, two things uh, about... uh, an hour and a half apart rugby wise um the Scotland all blacks game the sight of Doddy Weir carrying that match ball on uh for that before that game flanked by his three boys and Doddy Weir as we know, is, um fighting the uh, an unwinnable fight against motor neurone disease uh that was just the emotional peak of the whole entire autumn for me I thought um. Uh, I found that very moving, but then, uh, as I say, an hour and a half later, Stuart Hogg flying down the left wing uh, for the last gasp chance, which would have could have dispatched the All Blacks, was was really an epic occasion. And uh, I think we don't need to go on about the fact that Autumn was slightly flat comparatively, but that was one of those moments we think this is an epic Test match, and this is why we come. I wasn't there actually, but I wish I was.
2: Sam, what were you, what highlights you remember
1: in your uh, first uh, your first year in covering
2: rugby f- in the big time?
3: Well I mean o- obviously the just the privilege of of being able to attribute the Sunday times to my to my name was really a, 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 a life buzz I think and a life highlight but I uh, that's fair comment. and I th- um, hopefully the, the listeners share that <laughs> share that experience, but certainly on, on the pitch where it actually matters um, and you'll love this, Steve, but just watching the All Blacks live. Um, from the press box at Cardiff where you get uh, probably far too close to all the action including what goes on in the crowd but you are really quite close to the pitch there and, and what what I really recognized there was just the quality of the the passing game that every single New Zealander brought to the brought to the the pitch and you know people look for the difference why do the All Blacks stay ahead of the game and for me it is just their ability to execute skills under pressure and no better example of that than Aaron Smith's pass to Naholo in the first half which just a sublime off the wrong hand left hand 20 metres Naholo doesn't break stride goes over in the corner and just the contrast with a pass earlier on from Lee Halfpenny which sort of blundered its way into Palamamos is sort of almost into his head as he tried to score and the, the move broke down. And in a nutshell there, I saw the difference between the Northern Southern Hemisphere and particularly where the All Blacks were ahead. It is amazing, that you know, that um, if you
2: can handle the ball well, accurately, quickly, uh, with a range of passes, etc., it doesn't have to make the rest of the game so much easier yeah, yeah. because you, you don't have to think of the handling. You can just think of what your next play is. But mm. it is amazing how few few junior teams you see just being out there for the first half hour, just handling the ball. And it's just something we've never caught up with. As far as I'm concerned, I'm sorry to say that I um, get increasingly depressed about the whole thing. I did love uh, just watching on TV Scotland and Australia because I think that Scotland performance confirmed the promise of the, um, of the Scotland-New Zealand game. And what an absolute um, towering game now the Calcutta Cup is going is to become. But I'm afraid that... Um, uh, at the end, I felt sick about the whole thing. There are way, way too many internationals. The fact that there are too many is becoming underlined in double uh, rows of ink now, because of the of the of the sheer dangers of the game. I mean, it is very rare now for you to lose fewer than three players. Long-term injured in every game, and over the weekend I, uh, I put an, did an article in the Sunday Times in which I said it's there are far too many games. It's too brutal. Uh, the the atmosphere is diminished massively as a re, as as a result because there are just so many games. Standards of behaviour on the field and off the field, uh, in, in my opinion, nose diving. I had uh, I've had reactions from international players uh, since I wrote it, and one great international player, one of the most famous in England history said that in the last game he was there and had to get up 19 times as drunkards were coming in front of him first. Barnsley, with one of the most famous, no, he had more, he's got more caps than Barnsley. <laughs> but uh, either on their way to the loo or on, on the way to the bar, uh, he described uh, the rugby as unchecked brutality. And another uh, international wrote to me to say that uh in in response to my to my opinion that it, it, it the pre-match stuff is now just so horrendously uh, choreographed and so samey and so without passion and he said the hacker has been uh, replaced by the utter boredom of choreographed contrived performance um of uh, a pseudo gladiatorial stage management and that for me sums it up i just find it unbearable and um, rugby needs to go back to some basics, on and off the field. Sam, um,
1: uh, say something cheerful. Yeah, <laughs> no. I'm slitting my wrist here. Oh, are,
2: are, are we here to? Are we here to to join this happy band who say every international must be a good international? What? Because it is not the case. Sam, in terms of injury, uh, mm. we saw a game between two third teams at mm. Cardiff on Sunday. Mm
3: well i think the sad thing about it for me that wales game was a, the, the last game against south africa was utterly needless um it also wholly undermined georgia because gatlin picked a second team against georgia because he was so worried about injuries and he'd already suffered so many injuries he clearly planned that in advance so that massively diminished that game which was a huge change for georgia as well and you know i think the point you make about this sort of pseudo gladiatorial kind of atmosphere the pr- way the sports presented it also it, it, it creates a disconnect between the players as human beings and uh, actors in a state on a stage. And I think that's incredibly important because when we talk about player welfare, we are actually talking about human beings. And I know people say, well, they're professional sportsmen, they're paid good money. Um, so therefore, you know, they know the risks. So, that, you know, but it, they're, they're, they're still... Dads who go back to their kids, who go back to their wives, and they're never going to complain. These guys because they're part of this huge system, and they know that if they kick off, the worst thing you could possibly be tagged is a, as a rugby player, as a troublemaker. Um, mm. So no one ever really speaks out. You never really get an honest, or very rarely honest, on the record comment from players about what they actually feel about this volume of games. And um, I think you know there's a danger. It's happened in cricket. You flood a market. And people start; it becomes saturated, and and it does by its very nature become, you know, just relentless and, and less interesting. And I, I do think we've we've crossed the threshold. I, I I'm sorry to say I agree with you, Stephen. So Sam, just before we go on to, to Owen, for who'll give us the, a, a brighter view, I'm sure.
2: Um, uh, player welfare. We hear that from World Rugby, from every single nation. Every time there's a new competition, the priority here, they say, sagely, is player welfare. Mm-hmm. Could you, could you name me one rugby match that has ever been called off, and or the season curtailed, in the cause of player welfare? One inter international rugby match.
3: Well, I, c- I couldn't name you that. I mean, I've always said to people at World Rugby, I believe that player welfare is your number one. Major- priority when you actually start to actively, proactively start to reduce the number of games that these guys are playing. And until that happens, I can't see how you could possibly make that claim. I mean, I was interested reading Owen's excellent piece this morning, just, you know, praising Eddie Jones for effectively resting some of the England players on player welfare grounds. And I'd echo that praise, but it shouldn't come down to this sort of ad hoc Management of yes, I've got a benevolent director of rugby, or you know, I'm I'm being you know one of the old school, keep going, keep going, keep going. You know, it shouldn't these guys shouldn't be as sort of hostages to fortune to such a degree. And I just firmly believe that until we get some really serious contractual limits on what these guys are able to play, which are properly policed, not just left in the hands of the clubs or left in the hands of the national team or Eddie Jones's will then we're never going to make any progress. And I really, really want to see the RPA step up here. I really do. You know, they've got a big opportunity. There's so such a a sort of unified voice now around this that recognises that players play far too much rugby and it is seriously putting their health at risk.
2: Wales played four games this year. That last game is an absolute disgrace. Next year, I believe England are playing four, which is an absolute disgrace. And that, they've got that, every opportunity to
1: call it off. That, Owen? That, that, that England fourth game next year... Arguably is a disgrace. You've taken a sort of a machine gun to international rugby there and I, I don't yeah. actually disagree with any of your targets individually. Uh the, the the problem that we got here is is there doesn't seem to be a way out. I mean Sam you say that mm. Wales South Africa was a needless game and it was an average game played between um, a third team and a se- average se- second or third team of, e- of each of each nation, uh, was it need was it needed in terms of the did, did the world did we need to see it as an entertainment? No, we didn't because the, the international rugby is not a, a special rarefied uh, item anymore. It's it's out there all the time. But, the, but it it all reflects on where rugby has gone and the whole welfare thing is the same thing. Is why are people playing these players too much or so often? Because they need the money from it, and, and 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 I'm not saying that's right, but that's just the sort of rugby doesn't work. You know, it doesn't work. You know, either you, either we you, you sit all the players down and say, listen, are you happy for your contracts to be reduced by two thirds, or whatever, um, and then you can, then we can have that conversation. So something like that. But but we're just charging in a direction that, that to which there's no end you're quite right
2: but but the, 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 the it's not the only economy you can make for, mm. to cut salaries first of all the RFU have got a 57 man committee who are not any longer in the in in the actual executive administration of the game who were allowed to go on free trips all, all over the place I'm not saying they're all they're all freeloaders but there are ways you can cut down yeah, the amount true. the amount of money that is spent on the international scene is unbelievable and as i said on sunday i would scrap under 20s why on earth is there an under 20 competition at, at world cup every year make that every four years C- cut it all
1: back
3: if you have it every four years
1: and then players won't be able to under twenties is something you come to at a certain age, so players would miss it. You can have it every two years, but every four years then world
2: well, well, we'll capture every four years.
1: Yeah, but then you're in your adult life, so you so you, you might get two chances of it.
2: Well, no, you, uh, w- most people only get one chance. Of, uh, m- most ch- most people only get one chance of a Lions tour. It's just one of those things. And people have par- uh, the, paranoi- the paranoia of everything from Indi- uh, England, 16 group, 18 group, 20
1: group. The sheer cost of it
2: is unbelievable. It is unbelievable. England
1: does not need to have a fourth test next year because uh, the RFU is a wealthy enough union on its own. But Wales, South Africa—they both need money for for reasons that we are so well established. They lose their players otherwise, so they have to keep the tills rolling, and that's what put us in the situation. No, I I thought the game was uh, was shambolic on a number of
3: uh, levels, but I don't I don't see a solution. Could we ban fireworks from international rugby? <laughs> I mean, you'd probably save a million quid just right there. Um, I mean, on a, on a serious note, but what about reducing the Premiership to ten clubs, limiting? The amount of that an individual is allowed to play because obviously what we saw when the salary cap went up, you just saw the top four or five, six, seven players' agents all driving nicer cars and 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 the players you know just bumping their top salaries up. So actually, it did nothing to kind of. Make the squads bigger. And the, I think the squads are actually contracted no, since so the celebration. So now I'm
1: up. now I'm liking this podcast. This is the sort of the rugby utopia where <laughs> we get to redesign professional rugby. Yeah, with, absolutely, with a blank sheet of made, paper, starting from scratch. You made the I, point I'd agree it doesn't work. I mean, so it doesn't that, work. That
3: means, so the definition of madness: keep doing the same thing over and over again, expect to get a different outcome. Uh, you know, they, they have they have to at some point take a huge step back and go. It does all need to be <laughs> readdressed yes. and re- restructured, and and some what people think at the moment. Could be completely outlandish ideas actually looked at really seriously. Well, that's
1: why I was quite excited. No, I wasn't excited. <laughs> I, I, that's why I had some hope for that San Francisco World Rugby mm, meeting at yeah. um, uh, the start of the year, where, which was the, of the global calendar redesign thing. Mm. And with with some really smart thinking and some very brave people, you could have you could have gone some way to redesigning world rugby. But as it was, they just found a muddled middle ground which suited everyone. And which, which, as we're now saying, just keeps the whole thing sort of trundling on. Oh, oh and the thing is, with that, the, 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 it was
2: it was it was known as the structured season, and we we all started fantasizing uh, that this thing would come out that when everything would be in its place, there'd be plenty of rest periods and all that. And when all the individual individual unions got to the table. World Rugby immediately started briefing us off the record not to expect anything major. Yeah. And my God, yeah. there wasn't anything yeah. major. Yeah, was... All it was was, was was a cold rehash. And I'm afraid this might be junior school economics, but if everyone loses two international matches, well, everyone loses pro rata that their, their income and everyone, in a sense, is in the same place relative to the others. So uh, some, something's got to happen because it is becoming dangerous and I'll say this uh, uh, secure in my own conscience that I'm not uh, aggravating the situation. Someone is going to die or someone is going to be severely damaged for life because they're playing too many games. And what we can't do is RPA have must come in. The players are just gutsy. You know, you take I'll give you one example. Scott Andrews who played for Wales on Saturday. Really not should never have been there, not of the same class, has never been a starter for a professional team, got hammered in every scrum and fell apart and was still going at the end. These players will do anything but look after themselves properly because that is their own pride. And they have got to be saved from that because it's getting worse and worse.
0: VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen.
1: VoiceOver on Settings.
0: So you can navigate it just by listening.
3: Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11.
0: And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone.
3: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile.
0: With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
3: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
2: I'm sorry about the other two getting a bit head up there, but um, <laughs> we've decided to keep ranting for a bit. Um, when all that was over and we put the uh, autumn internationals to bed, I just happened to Turn the television on to watch the club stuff on the weekend, and just as one example, uh, Wasps and and Leicester, no stupid anthems, no stupid war dances, G- great crowd who were involved in it. I mean, let's be fair, England Argentina was the the quietest eighty one thousand people have ever been. It was horrible. And uh, suddenly you look at Wasps and all these international teams say we're going to play great rugby. We're trying to run the ball. Rubbish. Wasps played some marvellous rugby. Maybe they were lucky to get there in the end. Mm-hmm. But when you watch Elliot Daly, Danny Cipriani, Jimmy Gopeth, John, ba- John Bassett, D- De Jong, Willie LaRue back on form. Blimey, that, that 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 was rugby and that got people turned on to it. And that, that to me looked like a, a, a bigger rugby game. But we're going to go on to... Um, uh rugby issues now and uh oh, Saracens um not super saracens at the moment by any means lost to uh Harlequins yesterday and have got clermont and clermont in the next two weeks home and away
1: uh are are they panicking should they be panicking um i don't think they should be so it's so uh there there've been a couple of times in the past when i've thought and written our saracens uh they're they're running out of steam, or or, or um, the, the 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 good days are over. But the last three years have have, have shown Saracens getting stronger and stronger, and they have this uh, predominantly young squad who should be getting better and better, or actually peaking probably in a two years' time. So uh, they they have lost. What what do we say? They've lost four Premiership games in a row.
3: Three prem. It's five in total, isn't it? I think three in the Premiership. Three Premiership yeah. games in
1: a row, and, and two <clears throat> um, uh, Anglo Welsh games at the same time. Uh, so for a number of those games, they lo- They were stripped of their international players, mm. which, uh, again, while we're ranting, makes a further nonsense of the way the, the game is structured because it is just preposterous that you have to play a club game when your best players aren't there. I mean, it is so foolish. Uh, so, that, so that was the reason for that. I, I thought they would um, come back and really lay down a statement yesterday against Harlequins, and they didn't, and so I think they will do against Claremont.
2: Interesting. Sam, it, um, <laughs> S- Surrey's... Um, Almost unstoppable lately. It's always got to end sometime. Is yeah, this the time?
3: Yeah, it does. To, I mean, I'd say with Surrey, you compare it to sort of London house prices, <laughs> they're flatlining, but they're, they'll over the long term they'll go up. And for me, I spoke to Mark McCall. I think my my debut interview for the Sunday Times that was it lived with me for literally days more, but um, Mark McCall said... It's not, not an easy interview, is <laughs> it? <isn't he? laughs> no, it's hard work, but he's, I mean, he's a smart guy who's clearly done amazing things there, he's managed the backroom staff incredibly well, brought players through, um, so they've now got a sort of conve- conveyor belt, not just of players, but also coaching staff, and he said to me then that the real challenge for the coaches and the club of the, this sort of fabled culture, which I know is a, a word you love Steve, but... Mm. Um, is is when the going gets tough and and obviously it is now and it's you know they're still there or thereabouts they're still the team to beat in the in the premiership I'd argue in Europe as well um but they've had a significant wobble, and I think the big surprise, as the point Owen made there, was that it was just this assumption that they would uh, get their internationals back and then, you know, just pick up from where they left off. Because they did have a, uh, a tough time of it during the international period last year as well. But I I fully expect them to to get back on uh, winning ways. I think they'll beat Claremont this weekend. I mean, uh, they've also lost lost Billy Vunapola, which you know I know they did last year for large chunks as well, but you've got the I would argue the best number 8 in the world um who's not playing so it's going to have a, an impact along with the rest of the guys that they miss out.
2: Fair, fair comment um uh, I I would have
3: thought that uh, but um
2: Saracens playing Claremont. it's one of those ones where you have to win on aggregate isn't it. You know you have to try and if you're going to lose away you have to try and get a bonus point or or etc so uh, probably not coming at the right time for them. But again, um, even without Billy, you, you never know. What is difficult is to play away at Claremont. Mm. That is unbelievably difficult because they're a great club. Suppose, oh, in um, Sorry, just chuck one yeah. thing
3: very quickly. But the Ospreys game was maybe a sort of, maybe we missed it, as in the signs that were coming out of that game, when they yeah. really yeah. scraped past on Ospreys' well, side well. without Tipperich, um, <laughs> without a few of their best players um, and they were really poor that night and maybe we should have taken a bit more notice of that performance because that's led into this run that they've been on now uh, Owen um, Ospreys
2: are away at Northampton um, on Saturday uh, we're staffing that game with one of our finest reporters who's in this room, <laughs> Northampton <laughs> and now I believe have, have lost five on the trot um, Northampton can't win anything, no they can't they well... haven't
1: won a, a premiership game since September
2: mm. what's, go- what's going wrong there?
1: I think thing has been going going wrong for a while uh, and uh they um they tried to address this last season where they uh, when they got rid of Alex king and um uh thought the problems were there, but they hadn't actually recruited anyone in the back line for him to coach for the previous decade, so it was pretty harsh on him uh so this season they've recruited in the back line. And they started badly. Then they pulled their socks up and had and had a few a, a good run. But but now the um, the bad times are really setting deep again. Uh, I think there's something um, deeper prevailing within the club, the culture, and the confidence. And um, I I hate to to point at, at coaches and coaching systems, but I just think they need something really different there to 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 drag themselves out mm. of it. Man for man on paper, that is still a pretty decent squad. Uh, Are you
2: saying they need uh, Sam and and, and both of you? Uh, do they need different coaches?
1: Uh, well, I, I'm. I don't know if Jim. I'm not saying Jim Malander must go. That that I I feel really uncomfortable being a he must go type journalist. And you've got to be very very solid with your with your evidence and your opinion on that. I'm not sure on that. What we do think is that Dorian West is likely to leave at the end of the season. Now That's been much rumoured that he's going to move to Newcastle. So, uh, so, so maybe that'll give them the chance to to bring in fresh blood, fresh ideas, a, a new a new personality. But they need to freshen up and change in some shape or form.
2: Let's just continue with uh, the the prospects this weekend. Um, the um, European Champions Cup, uh, which has got some great ties. Toulon, Bath. Um, um, one or two of us are going to be forced to go to Toulon, Toulon for that game. <laughs> and actually, it's funny because um, we booked a, rest, uh, a hotel, or a hotel was booked for us by a company travel agent, and, and myself and Nick Kane of the rugby paper are going gonna to both stay at the hotel. And we read a review which says the last reviewer there found blood on the carpet <laughs> of his room. So um, it's possible Literally, we're not looking for. it. I think it no. It was literally right, and it absolutely slaughtered. It was dusty <laughs> si- so- and, so- and sounds of uh, sorry signs of infestation. I don't know <laughs> what that was infestation of, but um, yeah, so we go. So you and
3: moose are actually going to raise the hygiene standards of the uh, hotel. Thank you very much. Wow. No, no, anyway,
2: that, so we might be giving that a bit of a miss. Um, you should, but we should
3: just add a,
1: that this is the moose of famously one of the uh, podcast highlights of the entire year. Probably our listeners are wondering where the hell he's gone, but but he will be in Toulon. He'll
2: be in Toulon, yeah. We've managed to keep him away from the microphone, but uh, he keeps on. (laughs) Thank God He's probably outside the studio now trying to get in, but there we go. (laughs) Head-putting his way in. Exeter-Leinster. Exeter put uh, Bathway by a heck of a lot on the weekend, but Exeter-Leinster, that's uh, that's a serious game,
3: uh, Sam. I mean, I talked about Surrey's being the team to beat in England at the moment still, but they're being pushed pretty hard by Exeter aren't they yeah. what, what a team they, they've become under Rob Baxter and you know this just brilliant story keeps on going and uh, yeah Leinster won't fancy that you know you can't see Exeter not winning at home in that game um, I mean I know you'll be there for the another joyous 5.30 Sunday evening uh, kick off down in the, in the West Country but yeah they're just a seriously strong team I was looking at at the Team of the Week in the Times this morning, which David Bates puts together. But, you know, Matt Kvesic, what a renaissance he's had down there. Williams, Hepburn in the front row, Waldron at number eight. And Baxter's trick, I know it's been said before, but he just makes players better. Um, they go to Exeter and they get better and what a great um, accolade as a coach that is to be able to, to have that. I think it's the ultimate accolade Sam and uh, watching that game, uh,
2: the highlights of the Leicester game, Alec Hepburn, mm. what a, mm. absolutely storming through as a loose end. prop mm. now. I mean you, you you take the people you see who play for England, I mean uh, they've, they've got presence as well but mm. this guy is really storming through. Yet another example of, of, uh, of it. Exeter, you feel a guy that you've never heard of before. You think, who the hell is this? And then two two weeks later, he's in the England reckoning. It's just absolutely phenomenal. But having uh, so said that thing, again... The interesting uh, thing
1: about that, that for me is I wrote at the start of the season a very wise piece about how Exeter were clever <laughs> because they seem to have all these... Um, play, they seem to recruit players who are just not quite good enough to play international level. So mm. when all the other teams, like Saracen who just mentioned, lose their best players, Exeter really thrive. If you, if you follow the um, premiership results over... Six Nations and autumn windows of the last three seasons, that is when they're brilliant. Mm. But, but that doesn't actually stand anymore because their players have reached the level where in the, in the previous autumn that just, we just had, they lost Slade for the whole thing, mm. they lost Harry Williams for the whole thing, Sam Simmons for the whole thing. Who else am I missing? Um, well, Jack Knoll, they didn't have no, who they yeah. would have had. Mm. They are now, they're getting to that stage where their players are, are un- uh, non selectable. Yeah. I, I, I That's mean, I'd not throw, in,
3: throw in Ollie Woodburn, the name of Ollie Woodburn, who I didn't even think was club level, let alone interna- built just below international level. When he went from Bath, honestly, I don't want to be too cruel, but I, I remember seeing him play a couple of games for Bath, and I, I really felt he shouldn't have been on the pitch. And I thought he was a terrible <laughs> signing by Exeter, and he is a Absolutely class act. Week in, week out. Now, uh, mm. at the top of his game, he doesn't really get mentioned in England circles, but he can't be a long way off. He's just consistent, uh, defensively sound. Has become a good footballer out of nowhere, and and is a really top class club club uh, winger now. I I uh, totally
2: agree, and uh, you know when you compare him with Man and Yard etc., mm, I'm afraid there's yeah. nothing there's nothing in it. I, I will right. say as well, um, we're talking about uh, the way Wash played and the way that uh, Northampton are playing. If you watch Danny Cipriani, I mean, look, you're either a fan or or your artist. I guess he's the Marmite player. If you watch him on Saturday, the things he did and created, and then you think that Piers Francis, who's just come up from New Zealand, is not even in the, he's in the England running, not even starting for Northampton, and that man is in the England team, and Danny Cipriani is not. Absolutely ridiculous, and th- let's just get rid of this thing that Eddie's a brilliant selector because the likes of Paul Hill, Manor Harrison, and Francis, and many others, they've been stuck in there to great fanfare, and they were wrong. They did, they were not up to it.
3: I think we're all, I think we're all signed up members of the Cipriani fan club in here. Would you be, would you be a yes or no man for fandom for for, for Danny? Well, I, I love to watch him play. I, I think he's great entertainment and a brilliant
1: talent, but I don't think that means you necessarily stick him in an England squad. And I th- one of the things that... So so two points. One, he is brilliant, but he he's also fallible. He mm, makes mistakes. Yeah, yeah. And two, the, the point that Eddie made about him, which I, I think is probably right, is that Cipriani is the sort of player that has to be the number one. He's got to be your mm. number one 10 and he he's got to be made to feel like he's the king, and and it all revolves around him. And then he's great. Um, is he the sort of personality that sits well in the squad and is a good good squad member? Well, there is so much evidence to suggest that that's not his strength.
3: I think that's a fair point. I mean, we touched upon earlier on, like not wanting to be called a, a troublemaker. Clearly, he got that tag from a really young age, and it's just been, it seemed to be impossible for him to to shift. But just as a as a distributor of the ball across a backline. I just, I mean, he is just so good. He's so smart. I know he makes mistakes. I totally take that. But it'd be a terrible, terrible shame if he got to the end of his career, which, which it looks like he's going to and doesn't finish with 50 England caps. I mean, he's barely got 15. Has I, he? So, I agree. Um,
2: and also, Owen, oh, you make a good point. You say he does beautiful things. And he does make mistakes. I could name you 10 England players of any era who've never made a mistake. The only trouble is they've never done anything any <laughs> yeah. brilliantly any, I,
3: I, either. So. It's interesting, he's, he's coming good with Gopith, like Obviously, Cipriani's not been in the Wasp side because he's been injured so long. Him and Gopeth at 10-12 is yeah. a brilliant combination. And Wasps this weekend look like Wasps for the last season when they're really easily the most potent th- uh, attacking threat in the, in the Premiership. And uh, It could be an interesting next few months if those two guys stay fit and click again
2: just before we reach the end of this section it is worth repeating that uh, Saracens home to Clermont Toulon home home to Bath Exeter home to Leinster uh, Munster home to Leicester and Northampton home to Ospreys all great games but there is a reverse fixture next week uh, the week after rather in which the losing team can get um, can get revenge and the the, the pool leadership often goes on the, 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 the aggregate of the two games so really looking forward to it just going to round up the autumn now uh, by looking at uh, a sorry mess or two. Uh, one called South Africa, the other called France. South Africa had whatever it was, third or fourth or fifteen, at Cardiff. Um, coach Alistair Kutsia under savage pressure. They say there are 350 South Africans abroad uh, of various standards, of which uh, my friend Mark Kehane um, estimated that 22 would be in the starting squad had they all been available oh in um uh whatever you think about south africa i think is a fantastic rugby nation I, I love the place but uh really really sinking at the moment what what's happening and what can they do
1: i don't i'd i'd love to have a smart answer for you uh, they could sack alistair Curtsy, which is, which there's quite a lot of money on that happening uh, that might make a mid-term improvement, but there's so, so many issues there. Well, two issues, really, not so many. Two major issues. That Financially, economically, it's not worth uh, a South African staying in the country unless they can be absolutely sure of Springbok uh, caps, um, and they'll make more money if they go abroad anyway. So uh, you've got a young family, you, you travel, and so, as you say, 300, 400 um, Decent players going abroad. And then you have the, the politics um, uh, of, uh, of selection, uh, the quota system. I, I say in inverted commas, um, it's slightly blurred, but uh, the best white players can't be sure they're going to get picked. So, so they're more likely to go abroad. So they're leaking their top players. And I just don't know. I don't know how they stop it.
2: Surely the, you, you, there is, you cannot have the luxury of picking only home-based players, You've got to throw it. You've got to throw it open to everybody who's available, who's everybody who's eligible for South Africa.
1: Surely, the, so in part I agree with you. But then even more go, and then your home, your your domestic product uh, gets worse and worse. And they have had one decent team in Super Rugby the last two years, but generally they've been poor in Super Rugby. So crowds uh, um, fall away, interest falls away. Um, and 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 this is the thing about rugby is 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 everyone's trying to build up their domestic base because nowhere is strong enough for it, for it to to be allowed to wither. So th- there isn't a really an answer to that.
2: Sam, did you find South Africa odd to watch on Saturday in the sense that they had four or five, especially up front, tremendous Springbok-like mm. players, and a lot of people behind the scrum wouldn't have gone into your house team. But yeah. what school would you
3: go <laughs> to, by the way? it uh, owned Owen's uh, sun school. The prestigious St Paul's School in Barnes. Is that one uh, you, you, you English type schools
2: you have to pay to attend?
3: Well, yes, or of course if you got a scholarship you did go for free, which okay. wasn't the case. But it right wasn't days. like my
2: comprehensive school where they let you in for free, but uh, the only do, way you could get kicked out was sure bad. this
1: is going. Yeah, so, I don't know. I, no, a, I
2: just uh, wanted to just yes, check, yes, I, check, I, check on you English to make sure your background's all right. Um,
3: <laughs> so what was your question again, Steve, getting back to That reality. was the question. I'm, I'm, what and school si- did I go to? Yeah. Well, you've got a news line for the first time in 27 years, I, uh, so well done on that. Really no nice <laughs> is it? Not the old. Um, <laughs> wrap this up
2: before it gets really messy. <laughs> what? what uh, it, they looked an odd team because half of them were rubbish, half were tremendous. But what what do they do about it?
3: They, I mean, well, I, I totally agree with everything Owen just said. I mean, that is, they have a unique challenge in South Africa. And I feel for Coates here because he's a really decent bloke, actually. Any of us who've met him is a top bloke. Um, I know that doesn't necessarily give you criteria to be an international coach. But I think sacking him would just be a, a very, very, very temporary Thing. i don't think uh, the sort of systemic flaws um and the, all the financial and political issues that are going on back in south africa mean this sort of exodus of 16 17 18 year olds who are coming over and let's not ignore the role i mean i did an interview Bob that last week where the role that english public schools that we were just discussing i don't think st paul's recruit um uh elite no. sportsmen but a lot of a lot do and it's seen as a sort of some sort of strange route to supposed excellence or whatever where you parachute in um, 16 17 year old pacific island boys billy Vunipola went to harrow you know i mean it's it's become a really acceptable thing which i think is really bad for the countries that are being leached from because it's a financial thing and it's not an education thing it's just purely a commercial thing Um, it's also really bad for the kids coming up through the school who set their sights on playing for the first 15 and then get to the last part where the and and suddenly um someone gets brought in so i just think it's really it's a really bad concept um and skin made the point actually and it's an unintended consequence which is going to occur of this five-year residency rule that actually even more yeah. 15 16 year old south african kids are going to make the call at that age when a wellington or whitgift come in and say come over and we'll Educate you in this great environment, and you can go on and play for Loughborough and whatever. You know, it's just going to happen more and more. So, it's- very,
2: very, very sad. I hate, hate the idea of that. Um, isn't it awful that uh, they've finally shut down or they've they've extended the qualification period from three to five years? But. Until the while well, the three year one is still standing, all the little grubby countries, Australia, etc., are still g- grabbing Tongans, grabbing people wherever they can. Ireland are the same, very sad. One more, uh, the the almost the pariah of Europe now, France. Um, they almost beat Japan, but had to stick with a with a draw. Uh, isn't that uh, Owen, you said you're one not one of these men to say the coach must go, surely the coach must go in france
1: yeah you know, I'm <laughs> not put, really putting my head above the parapet <laughs> on that one. I mean it's just preposterous we, we we talked about this a bit last week. Is it a case that he, that he hasn't got good players um and that a better coach can can do a better job? no, it's not it's he's um he's been hopeless France do have some serious problems i, I i've m- my sort of overall sadness with the autumn is is that we're once again looking at world rugby and the number of really good quality teams is so small on the ground it 's a thin competition world rugby and we talk you know world rugby talks endlessly about let 's broaden let's you know let 's have twenty teams competing for the world Cup well at the moment it's probably three absolutely right i think it's ne- it's never been easier to have a great record
2: than in international rugby sam um France, uh, they can get any worse. How do they get better? Just well, briefly.
3: Definitely sat the coach. A ludicrous appointment. Um, mm-hmm. uh, God, How do they get better? Uh, just start to reconnect with what they used to do and just run out onto the pitch and. Surely they've got to stop,
2: stop stop, signing so many useless foreign players. Don't win yeah. great foreign players. When you get 28 stone overweight. Tongan and Samoan islander props—that's just ridiculous, yeah, surely. Totally,
3: and uh, no I mean, they he, they're, doing they're, doing that they're trying to control longer, the number actually. of foreigners that come in. Mm. There, okay. there are rules on that. Look, I've tried to be upbeat throughout this podcast, <laughs> so
2: uh, Slotty and uh, this, oh, is
1: the, this is the Christmas edition.
2: Owen and <laughs> Owen and Sam, don't don't be so gloomy. Tell me something that you're really looking forward to in rugby, so all the readers think, "God, they're not bad blokes after all, and they're not downbeat." What are you really
3: looking forward to?
1: Sam, you've got to start us. To I'm think... looking forward to Bath,
3: Toulon, the week before Christmas. What an amazing rugby city Bath remains. Whatever happens to the team, um, uh, just a brilliant place to watch rugby, even though it's old and decrepit at the wreck and needs big, updating but but it's a brilliant place to and go one line
2: already. on that there were plans last week that are thought to be moving forward now with their new stadium uh, the first time that release came out was 1939
1: <laughs> uh, owen that's such a
2: good point what am i looking forward to calcutta cup that's very good there's some great great matches coming up calcutta cup will be sensational with, of your butcher hotels yeah. Well I hope there's no blood on your carpets guys. <laughs> Thank you to Owen Slot of The Times, Sam Peters of the Sunday Times. We'll be back next week. Thanks for following us on The Ruck.
0: As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times.